Welcome to episode 53 of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew. Technically, I mean, I know some podcasts, they call it like season two when you get into year two. We're not doing that. We just nope. do seasons and trivia. This is episode 53 of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew. I'm Jordan Lorenz, joined alongside Drew Skyberg, fresh off Selection Sunday, fresh off Ron Colley and Brilliant going to state. If you haven't listened to Drew, you and Robert did a little emergency podcast, a breaking news sort of thing on Sunday night or yeah. Saturday night into Sunday, I should say. Yeah, it was it was a very late episode. We recorded extremely late because Robert had to celebrate, right? I mean, the whole city of Brilliant was at the game. And then, you know, when they come back to B-Town, I'm sure that quick trip was full of people. Sure was like, you know, Hopefully standing room only. Workers. Yeah, there, you, I don't even know if they could fit everyone in the quick trip. I'm sure there's a line to get in. But it was, you know, quite the game. Uh, we talked all about it. We talked about Ron Colley, of course, as well. Made sure to include some of the about Jordan Lorenz. I mean, he was there. We made sure to talk about that as well. Um, I, I tried to, you know, talk for you too, Jordan. Make sure you, I get your Absolutely. thoughts in too, because you were there. I mean, talk about you were both, both sectionals for the Ron Colley Jets. And how, how was that? Well, that's our show of the week. Luke Post, if we want to get right into it on Thursday night, my goodness. I've never seen a performance like this in my life. Ron Colley down by nine, eight. So, I don't know. They were nine down something half, at that. Yeah, nine. Or, they was something around 10 points at the half. And then St. Mary Catholic, they were playing very, very well. Ron Colley. Then their offense got going. Oh, my goodness. You cannot stop Luke Pouts. 44 second half points, a new career and school high of 56. I mean, he wouldn't have had to score that many to get Ron Colley the win. But wow, what an individual performance. Unlike anything I've ever seen. 14 of 18 from the line. In the second half, Ron Colley's a team didn't shoot a single free throw. And then Luke Pouts just kept going there. I mean, this was unreal. And then for them to beat an undefeated Iola Scandinavia on Saturday in an afternoon game at a packed D1 high school, it was just beautiful. An absolutely huge win for Ron Colley beating that Iola team. And Parker Paul, their leading scorer, he had a double-double in 15 of his last 16 games, scored double digits in every game but one this year. They held him to eight, eight. Yeah. points. That was the big story of the game. I said it before. If you stop Parker Prawl, which is a lot easier said than done, the only other guy you've got to stop is number three. Number three, I forget his last name, but he had a very good first half, and he was kind of shut out in the second half. Iola, they play seven deep, but it's not the best guys coming off the bench. They had a number 15 who was pretty good. But other than that, I mean, when their big guys got in foul trouble, that was all she wrote. Joseph Witsack put the game on ice with free throws in the last five minutes. He was lights out from the line. Ryan Fisher had a big three-pointer to put Ron Colley up basket. by four. Yeah, that was his only bucket, and he hit it to put the Jets up by four. That was huge, and, I mean, you can't give enough credit to that team. And they played mostly, I mean, Brett Simmer, Connor Kupch, and Logan Brodsky came in for a real little bit in the first half. But other than that, they stuck with their starting five. I mean, Ron Collins themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yonda, don't fix it. Look what he did. I mean, you mentioned Parker Prawl already. Look what he Defensively. did. We talked about this on that emergency episode, just how – how Yonda showed up defensively, one of the best, maybe one of the best perimeter defenders in Division Four. Like that was a performance. Oh, coach you know, said it. Ages. I watched the Zaleski Sports interview after. Like I got home, and then it was like later at night. I watched the Zaleski Sports. They had it on YouTube. I saw they were interviewing Garso during the game, so I went and watched it. And he said he thinks Yonda is one of the best defenders in the state. And like oh, personally, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far, but still, at the end of the day, I mean, they had Luke Pouts on ball at first. Yeah, in D four for sure. They had Luke Poets on Prawl at first, and then he picked up like a few early fouls. He ended up with three going into the, like a few minutes into the second half. He had three fouls. 
Then they put Yonda on him. Yonda also with three falls. So it was a little bit of a risk, but Yonda was guarding the guy who was six eight at first. I mean, we're not going to talk about Ron Colley and Brilliant all day long, but this was just huge performances. We'll talk about the state matchups when we get there. Follow us on social media, guys. We're still just two subscribers away from 50 on the good old YouTube. We're on there. Jordan drew the sports crew. Same with Facebook. We're on there as well. Twitter, JD Sports Pod, retweeting some of the pictures. We'll be talking March Madness. Drew will be at state. He'll be posting pictures from that. And then other than that, Instagram, Jordan Drew underscore sports crew. We're going to be experimenting a little more, trying some new things on the Instagram get a little more interaction, beautiful things like that. Otherwise, do you have anything else or is it time for the stats of the week? Let's go into the stats of the week. We have some good ones. I mean, and it starts with the one and only Greg Popovich. We talked about him, I feel like it was a month or so ago with how it coaching wins. Now he gets the record, 1,336 wins, breaking Don Nelson's all-time record. And I mean, do you have anything to say about Popovich and the way he's been able to carry this Spurs team and just himself as a career for so, so long? Yeah, um, I mean, what what an NBA coach. He's done some great things in his time in the NBA, and it was it was just great to see after the game. He got he got mobbed when he when he got the win. The whole whole team was around him. Dejounte Murray was able to give him the game ball after the game. So, yeah, Greg Popovich now win NBA win king for coaching, and he's going to be for quite a long time. I would have to assume. We'll see if anyone can ever come anywhere near it. Our next two stats. They're both charts I've got here on my phone. I don't know if you've seen these or not, but we're going to test them a little bit. The first one, combined football and men's basketball Big Ten wins since 2015. Did you see this chart at all? I did not. Okay, so who do you think is first? Combined football and men's basketball wins in the past seven years. It's got to be Wisconsin, right? They are two behind. They're second. Is it Ohio State? Yes, Ohio State is number one. They have 129. Wisconsin has 127. And then at a very close third, do you have a guess there? Very close third. Um, thinking. Okay. I'm going to say Michigan. Yes, 126. They were right behind. And then Michigan State, 122. Purdue and Iowa tied at 115. But, I mean, that is just goes to show how good Wisconsin has been. Maybe they're not always turning out at the end of the year where they need to, but it's might be their year in March Madness to go pretty far. We will have to see. Next one here. NFL, the most wins since 2000. Did you see this one at all? No. All right. So who in the NFL, it's kind of obvious, has the most wins since 2000? Well, you say it's obvious. I'm going to say Patriots. Yes. The Patriots have 254. They're almost 30 more than the team at second. And honestly, I wouldn't have guessed this team. So who do you think came in second? Um, I was going to guess Packers, but you said I wasn't going to guess them. You weren't going to guess them, so I won't say them. Packers are third. I'll say Steelers. Yes. Steelers are 226. Packers are 223. So I get, I would have guessed Packers in the top five. Number three makes sense. And then number four is the Colts. Colts with 217. Ravens at 209. So that's the top five there. It does make sense. But I mean, we got to go back a little bit. Saints with 204. Eagles with 203. And then Seahawks with 201. We'll be talking Seahawks coming up in the world of the National Football League. But let's move on. The date today, March 14th, 2022. On this day in 1954, the Milwaukee Braves' future home run king, you guessed it, Hank Aaron, homers in his debut exhibition game against the Boston Red Sox. We all love a good 
Hank Aaron. Six years later on this day, 1960, Philadelphia center Will Chamberlain is in the NBA playoff record of 53 points in the Warriors' 132-112 win over the Syracuse Nationals. Let's go two years later for a little hockey. The Red Wings forward, Gordy Howie, became the second player in NHL history to score 500 goals. Big congratulations there. And now we move 10 years more on this day, 1972. The NBA's Cincinnati Royals, plagued by poor home attendance, announced they are moving the franchise to Kansas City. So I thought this is interesting. I Have you ever heard of the Cincinnati Royals? I never had. Yeah, I believe, ooh, I think this franchise turned into the Kings. Um, okay. I will check. But yeah, Oscar Robertson, he played for the Royals before he was a Milwaukee Buck. And I just found that to be funny as well, that we had a Kansas City Royals in the NBA, obviously. Other sports, you kind of see that name a little bit. On this day, 1978, the NFL permanently adds a seventh official. That was the side judge, and we love a good upset. On this day, 1981, we saw one as St. Joseph upset the top seed DePaul. Obviously, we're talking about the NCAA March Madness Tournament, a 49-48 win for St. Joseph's over DePaul. As for March Madness, we'll be doing a special bracketology-type episode on Wednesday, so two days from now. Depending when you're listening on Wednesday, Drew and I are back at it, filling out our bracket. That was one of our first ever bonus episodes. We filled out our bracket and it did not do well. You will have to see in that Wednesday episode how we did last year, but we're coming for redemption, Drew. We're going to have a much better bracket this year. You bet we are. And also, I was right. Uh, The Royals, they did become the Kings. So just wanted to double check myself. But yeah, we're going to do a lot better than last year. That's crazy, Jordan. Think about Think about it. It's been a year. You know it's been a year. And that bracket was not. I actually had it on paper. I printed one off of work and I brought it home, filled it out on paper. Can't do that because we're recording just an hour after Selection Sunday. Back-to-back episodes for us as we get into it. Don't forget, if you still want, $5 entry. That's all it takes to get into our March Madness bracket pool. It's on the March 30. Madness app. 30, 30 people, people already? Right, right now committed. So that's a pretty big payout. The goal is 40. Oh, yeah. I think we're going to get 40. So, I mean, I enjoy it. I mean, you better join because for only $5 and you could walk out, who knows, maybe 70 bucks, 80 bucks. We'll figure out the payout. We'll let everyone know we're paying the top three, correct? We decided top three and yeah, odds are, I mean, a payout, if there's 40 people, payout could potentially be for the winner around $150 even. Oh yeah. Maybe even and even high. if you're, yeah. And even if you're third place, you're still making more than double your money. So it's definitely well worth it in the long run. No upset bonus, not how we roll. We will not be doing that. But speaking Yuck. of upsets. Yeah, yuck indeed. Speaking of upsets, March 14th here is our date, as I said, and that's time for our bet of the week. And it's going to be not a long bet. We did it the past two weeks. We got it wrong both times with the Big Ten Championship. Michigan State didn't win it. Illinois didn't win it. Big East Tournament, UConn didn't win it. Providence didn't win it. So we've been struggling lately in the bets of the week. You are ahead of me by one. Thanks to that Aaron Rodgers bet. You're six and 10. I'm five and 11. So, I mean, it is indeed a struggle right now but we're 16 bets in this is the 17th bet how many upsets will we see in the first round so by upsets obviously that means a lower seed being beating a higher seed that includes a nine seed over an eight seed i mean it's really not an upset but i'm considering any lower seed beating a higher seed an upset in the first round obviously there's 68 teams we're not counting the first four none of those counts that's the same seed playing each other will we see over or under eight and a half upsets yeah there's 32 games being played so that's saying ooh, um 
I mean, I put it at eight and a half. It might be a little high to some people, but four nine seeds could easily beat four eight seeds. So you kind of had to account for that a little bit. 12 and five is always upset heavy. Tens can beat sevens. There's a few other ones as well that I think could be sleepers. I got to go first. I, I'm going to go over, actually. I think we could see, I mean, I was doing the math before, and I think we could easily see around 10, right? If you think of it this way, say we saw three nine seeds beat the eight seeds. We're at three right there. Say you say two 10 seeds beat the seven seeds. That's five. And then all it takes is a few random ones here and there. And then we're right at nine. It would take four more. I think it's doable to get over eight and a half. But we could see the eight seed sweep. We could see mostly across the board, higher seeds win. It really all depends. I'm going to go under. I, that's okay. too high for me. I, I think there will be a sizable amount of upsets in this tournament. Uh, it's been a gauntlet. I mean, as it is every year, but especially this year, it seems, you know, we've seen a lot of teams lose. But I think... I think we'll see the upsets more occur maybe even in the second round, right? I, I think yeah. I'll, I'll give it like six or seven maybe. I don't think I'd go nine. So I was thinking go- seven would be a safe number, but then that was like too low. If you bet over under six and a half, it's like kind of easy to take over. So that is that March Madness episode this Wednesday. Don't forget to go ahead and set your recording. Be able to listen to that one. Be on the lookout for Let's Talk State real quick. Back to high school basketball one more time tomorrow. Drew and Robert on the Tuesday episode will be talking about the opponents for these teams. Brilliant. Plays in the D3 semifinal takes place on Thursday, March 17th. This coming Thursday at 1.35. We will see that game take place. And now it's a question of brilliant. Getting the four seed. They will be playing number one West Salem. Lake Country Lutheran got the two and St. Thomas Moore got the three. Overall, real quick, your synopsis on brilliant being stuck with the four. Honestly, though, I think it was fair. Like, they deserve to be here, but this is tough competition in D3. Yeah, Robert and I talked about the computers are seeding these, is what I've been told. That's what Robert and I were talking about. Yes, yep, I was, I was confirmed to us as well. surprised to see Brilliant get the four based on computer seeding, but I'll be honest, if it was seeded by committee, I think they would have been the four, and it's just that, that's just how it is, right? I mean, Brilliant, you, you, not to discredit them, look at, look at that incredible comeback victory against freedom but there is some tough squads in d3 this year I mean, oh yeah west salem is you know 26 and one and th- their strength of schedule might not be you know as maybe tough as you know like country lutheran or brilliant but this, at the same time this team's been dominant the whole year so i mean putting them at the one is kind of just how it was meant to be Lake country lutheran i mean they have the probably the best player other than jeremy lorenz left in d3 in Luke Hurdle is phenomenal. I mean, he was at state last year and he, he played very well and he's just a guy, you know, you got to watch out for. So St. Thomas Moore, of course, they've been dominant after they've been reinstated into the tournament. They won three games in three days. You know, not many teams have had to do that before. So, you know, that's going to be that, that, that team will be tough for Lake country Lutheran as well. Cause they're missing one of their starters now. Just St. Thomas Moore, they've been electric offensively. They've been, they put up triple digits in a game, I believe, regional, final, or sectional semi. So I think it was a sectional semi, actually. So, but brilliant. Yeah, they got their hands full with West Salem. It's definitely a doable game, right? Robert and I are going to talk about this on Tuesday. Doable to say the least, but it's going to be, it's going to be tough. But there's not a whole lot of upsets anymore when you get to state, right? I mean, you've got the top four teams for the most part. In there, the one and four is really the only quote unquote upset matchup you could see. But at the end of the day, 
Usually all the teams really deserve to be there. They didn't get a cakewalk into state. D4. Roncalli gets the night game. I mean, this is kind of prime time, time, prime time for me in Arizona. They'll be playing like a six, seven o'clock game, but I mean, they're going to be playing it's supposedly eight fifteen, but it's probably going to be later than that. I mean, some of these games get pushed back, some of them are a little bit longer, so we'll have to see. But Roncalli, they got the two. It was no surprise at all to see Milwaukee Academy of Science beat Howard's Grove and end up with the one seed. I think Roncalli and Milwaukee Academy of Science is the easy lock for the D four championship on Saturday. I like that too. I am, you know, and not to discredit Ron Colley again, but like these are all great teams, right? I am worried if with Milwaukee Academy Science and Ron Colley in a championship game, uh, they're electric. I mean, that, that Milwaukee Academy Science team, and not to say Ron Colley's not, look at what they've done. You know, we talked about Yonda already in this episode. We talked about Pouts. Look at what he's done. I mean, he's doing stuff that no Ron Colley Judd has ever done. And there's a lot of greats there with like Ben Stelzer, you know, Chambi Lambert. Uh, just to name a few there, you know, Bryce Pouts was even was dominant. Uh, wow. So it's just, it's tough. You know, that's going to be a tough matchup if it ends up being a championship game, but why not Ron Colley, right? And why not Brilliant? I, I think these teams have, you know, they faced adversity this whole year and I think they've really proved a lot of people wrong. So only time will tell at the end of the day, we'll have to see what happens when those teams get going on Thursday, be sure to download that magic of March app. I think it's called, you can watch all the state games on there follow updates on twitter it'll be on i don't know it's on local channels as well we'll be posting on actual television yeah we'll keep you covered we'll be good to go and now let's talk about bucks our last little bit of basketball to talk about here in this week they're coming off a loss to the warriors but at the end of the day it's the warriors that's a very good team they're losing to they just beat the hawks thunder and the suns so they did beat the suns like drew said they would do they did indeed beat them by 10 points. They put up 142 points just a few days ago. I mean, this Bucks team seems to be firing on all cylinders. They're still first in the Central. I'm looking at it now. They're only two and a half games behind the Heat. They're half a game up over the Sixers and Bulls. But at the end of the day, Drew, finally, this Bucks team seems to be where they were last year. Yeah, and we, Jared and I talked about this in the midseason recap. I'm not worried about this Bucks team. right? I, I think they're, they're going to leapfrog the Heat. I think we could maybe you know see even the Heat fall down to three. Um, the Bulls, I think, are still inflated at four. I think we see the Celtics jump them as well. I think we'll see kind of Bucks, Heat, 76ers, Celtics in that four range. I'd not, not, I didn't say that in any particular order, though, but I still think the Bucks will be number one. But we, you know, talking about news with the Bucks. Um, There's losing, an injury I saw. Yeah, that's kind of the big story. But losing at, at Golden State, you know, Saturday primetime, whatever, right? Losing to a good team at in... West Coast road trip on prime time. You know, it's it's okay. Clay Thompson put up thirty eight. That probably uh, that's not really okay. But uh, wow, uh, to talk then about that big injury, right? DeAndre Bembry. This was a guy I actually talked about last week, right? Him and Javon Carter. Uh, yes. s- they fear DeAndre Bembry suffered a season ending injury, so that's going to be a problem. A right knee injury is what ESPN was told. He's going to get an MRI. MRI. And yeah, I am worried about this because this guy, you know, he was playing, he was doing what the, what the Bucks wanted, a solid perimeter defender. He was really taking that Pat Connaughton role. But when Pat Connaughton comes back, I'm not going to be as worried. But you certainly would want, I think, Bembry over Carter. But again, I think Javon Carter now, I think it's his time to step up. Grayson Allen's another guy. See him step up, right? And the Bucks, they've had guys do this, but Brooke Lopez, uh, Jordan, I don't know if you saw this. He'll be coming back very soon. He's coming soon. back. 
he will be very soon. So I did. I saw it was him and one other guy. I didn't remember the other one, but yes, good stuff. Overall Deadline acquisition box. right there, even though it's not one, right? I mean, that, that's simply counts. what it is. It really is. Like I always mentioned, Chris Sale coming back to the Red Sox was big, even yes. like from that injury. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of Bucks talk. They play tonight. West Coast trip continues against the Jazz. Again, if they lose that one, it's a West Coast trip in the middle of the season, right? Middle to the end. Who cares? I think, you know, in the grand scheme, got to look at it like baseball, right? Doesn't really matter much. And, you know, baseball games right now, now with the 162 and the expanded playoffs, each regular season games are, and they don't, it doesn't matter as much. Well, it's only one extra team, but I understand. I understand why people are mad. We'll have to, we'll talk baseball in a little bit. That'll end the episode. Let's talk a little hockey real quick. In the world of the NHL, the Minnesota Wild now third in the Central. They're playing Nashville on Sunday. So, like, as we're recording, that game is going on. That's a big-time game because with a win, Nashville Minnesota will both have 72 points and be tied for third. St. Louis Blues have taken control of the second spot with 75 points. Colorado on top easily with 87 points. Colorado tied with Carolina as the best teams in the National Hockey League. But I will be at an Arizona Coyotes game. But Actually, I'll save that for another second. I did want to mention real quick, the Minnesota Wild, they are in what I like to call a good old-fashioned slump. They are 3-6-1 in their last 10. I mean, they're just not playing that well at all. They lost 6-3. They lost 3-2. That was a shootout. They actually had back-to-back shootouts, as did the Admirals, which we'll talk about in a second. But mm-hmm. I'm a little... I'm a little concerned about this wild team. However, they have an absolutely massive homestand coming up. The 16th, actually, the game yesterday was at home as well. So the 13th, the 16th, the 19th, the 21st, the 24th, the 26th, the 27th, the 29th, the 31st, all at home. Every single one of their games throughout this month remains at home at the XL Energy Center. So that's big time for them. They need to get back on track. They need to do something to prove that they are indeed one of the top teams in the league because we haven't seen that in quite a while. As for the Arizona Coyotes, I will be at their game coming up this Saturday, 2 p.m. in Arizona, 4 o'clock Central Time. Sidney Crosby comes to town. Yes, indeed. Coyotes playing the Pittsburgh Penguins. And my goodness, this Arizona team is heating up. They've won four of their five games in the month of March. They are doing unreal right now. I don't understand how they're doing so good. They are just playing well. They know I'm coming in, and they want to impress me. They're now 18-36-4. They have 40 points, and they are officially the second-worst team in the hockey league by one game. But they are 6-4 and four in their last 10. They're heating up, and I know you were just at an Admirals game, so talk about that a little bit. It was a Friday fish fry I saw they called it. There was a big-time fight. It was another shootout game. They went in a shootout game the night after that as well. So sure they had to be a little tired. Sad they couldn't come out the win, but hopefully it was a fun night. It, it was a great night, right? And the Milwaukee Admirals, they do a Friday fish fry where they rebrand a little bit and some sponsorship, right? So it's minor league hockey team. AHL, I guess, is for the Predators. So, I mean, they're able to do you know this rebranding thing for a night. And then it's an interesting look. It really is. The the jerseys were very interesting. Yeah, I don't know what I think, but they're, yeah, they're called the Milwaukee Fish Fry, and it, it's cool to see, right? But no, It's a they, very minor league thing. Yeah, very minor league thing, to say the least. But they are able to really put on a show in the Panther Arena. Uh, wow. Um, they're, 
They got a pick and save blimp flying around, dropping off coupons left and right. They're able to, you know, do some great, you know, they have some great games in between the periods and stuff. Cause as we know, hockey can be long, right? Two hour games, 220, maybe even with the shootout. So they're really able to do, you know, a lot of good stuff with that. And they were a lot of good giveaways, a lot of good games, as I said. But overall, a lot of fun. That big fight. Wow. I had to send you a video. I took a video. Oh, yeah. There's a picture all over social media. And that was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, fighting, you know, we condone fighting, but we condone fighting. A lot of it it was a lot of entertainment for the fans, as you know. uh, It seemed to be the Admiral's player. He he did win the fight and he was kind of, oh, good. At least he thought he did. And he was giving himself, you know, he was hyping up the crowd. And I'd say he won the fight, but, you know, at the end of the day, he he had to sit his five minutes, right? Yes, that's that's the punishment. Yeah. But But. the refs, they let him go. Uh, They sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. It really depends. And yeah, and this one, they, they literally just like step back and they were just sat there talking and all the, the teammates. Yeah, and then like, once someone hits the ground, that's when they pull them off and that's when it's over. And then everyone pounds their stick against the board and we're good to go. We're back playing hockey. Yeah. And to wrap up, uh, they have like a soon section there, which is great to see a lot of passionate Milwaukee hockey fans, you know, getting getting the crowd going. Kind of like we saw at the holiday face off uh, with the Badgers, yes. but I don't know. That way, the way the Admirals are able to put on a show in Milwaukee, I know attendance isn't necessarily, you know, a forte, but they're still able to get a pretty good crowd. But And they're diehards. Yeah. I still think the potential for a hockey team in Milwaukee in the near future is possible. I don't think it maybe might be likely, you know, in the upcoming years here, but certainly in the future, why not? Yeah, add another expansion team. I mean, we'll, we'll see, right? It's I'm hoping, but it's not very likely, but you never know. You never know at the end of the day. All you can do is sit back and wait. As for the NFL, we had a few trades to talk about, but first, a lot of stuff coming through as we're recording. Right before we started, Tom Brady just unretired, and he was kind of hinting at it. It was like a week after he retired. He said, you never know. I might come back. And then like a month after he retired, he was like, yeah, I'm getting kind of bored. You know, I've done this. I've hung out with my family, and he's officially unretired, so he's going to be back. Honestly, not too surprised at all. Seemed like he could have been playing for another few years yet. He'll be back. Michael Gallup, a Five-year, $62.5 million extension after Amari Cooper got traded. We'll talk about that in a second. And then, Gerard, I don't know if you saw this one, but Kirk Cousins, a one-year, $35 million deal. What are your thoughts on everything I just threw at you? Uh, Gallup, even though he tore his ACL, liked the move. Um, should have traded Cooper, I think, a year early. Year, year earlier. We've seen this with a lot of teams. I've been talking to Zach Roush of the Journey to Million about this, and we've even talked to this on the episode. Teams are holding on to players a year way too long. And yeah, a year can be way too long. Look at, imagine if, you know, Bobby Wagner was traded a year ago. I, I think, you know, I, I get the whole idea for competing and we wouldn't have known how the season turned out, but they got nothing for Bobby Wagner and they could have Not gotten something a year ago. Even, you know, Cooper's value went down. Uh, Khalil Mack, that was stupid. I mean, trading yes. in a year, a year too late. Uh, they traded the him for absolutely nothing. And that's just what you see because, again, cap space is so such a fundamental part of a football team, right? Because you got to fill, you know, you got to fill a 53 man roster, right? And I know baseball, you know, you got to fill 40 man, but at the end of the day with baseball, I mean, Steve Cohen, look, look at what he's doing with the Mets. I mean, he'll pay the, he'll pay the luxury oh, tax. Yeah. And now there's he different will. levels of the luxury tax and he'll pay those different levels. So, um, I, I don't, yeah, I mean, that, at the end of the day, that, that's how it is. But Gallup got paid good for him. Gallup and Lamb, they have a good combo there. Uh, I, you know, 
we saw also the Khalil Mack trade, which we mentioned. I still am like, okay, you know, but seems like a waste. I, I would have probably just kept them for that. No, you got to get, they have to get something out of him, but I, I'm just frustrated with that team for holding on to him way too long. I, way I guess too the Bears. And I, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not really, you know, frustrated because again, ah, we don't care. Bears are shooting themselves in the foot with moves like that. Right. But um, yeah, overall, there's been some good moves. Though, I mean, it's been entertaining to say the least with Brady coming back. The drama, <laughs> the drama with that. And I would Tampa Bay, I'm sure they weren't even looking for a quarterback. I feel like they were banking for this. Speaking of Russell Wilson, this was the biggest news of all. He is now going to Denver. So Denver has their quarterback, Russell Wilson. I think he's going to have a big time year. He's got some targets at Denver. His career resurgence hopefully will go through the roof. Denver got a fourth round pick and Russell Wilson. They had to give up Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, Noah Fant, two first rounders, two second rounders, and a fifth rounder. So they gave up a lot, but we've seen teams do this. Obviously the Rams, they give up like all their picks. They don't need picks. Who needs those? And they give them up and they won the Super Bowl. So Denver giving away a first round for this year and next year, along with a second round pick from this year and next year through in a fifth as well. Drew Locke, I mean, what is Seattle going to do? Drew Locke's not their guy. Uh, they've been linked to Deshaun Watson again. I don't, you know, I think you he's going to the Panthers. And, and you don't trade, you know, or you don't cut Bobby Wagner if you're going for Watson. I mean, I, I know we don't know what was going on with Watson at the time when that happened, but True. yeah, I, I don't think Watson will be with the Seahawks. I think you got to trade now where I went to this. Lockett's got to go. Maybe even you look at trading Metcalf. I mean, it, that might be. And you just go all in and completely rebuild the team. Get why rid not? Of everyone. Uh, yeah. If you're if you're getting rid of you know your franchise quarterback, uh, you might as well, right? I mean, uh-huh. that, that shows to me you don't want to win if you're you know you're you're looking for the future right now. And I, I can't fault them. Look at how competitive. Look at the AFC, for example. I know yeah, compared Seahawks to the NFC, but I I don't see like. Do you think you could p- compete against thirty one other teams? You know, with that no. Seahawks team, but yeah, even not even close. No, you can't, right? Um, not against you know those top, top five, top ten dogs. Uh, certainly not. So, I like the moves by Seattle in the terms of front office. But the Broncos, the Broncos still win that trade no matter what. Look what they Big got. Time. Right? They, they yeah. got they got who they wanted. They got their quarterback. So Nathaniel Hackett uh, is gonna, you know, I think he's gonna do some great things with Wilson. So that's an intriguing fantasy option in a one year kind of uh-huh. setting. Yep. So, we'll, I mean, we'll talk about that journey to a million and even a little bit on this show, I'm sure, on the Mondays. But, yeah, wow. Um, the other trade I did want to mention was the Carson Wentz trade just because it's Indianapolis. They get three picks out of it. They get a second and third round pick this year and a third round conditional pick next year. They had to give up a second rounder, though, and a seventh rounder. And they gave up Carson Wentz. He is now a Washington commander. He's going to be the face of that team. And, I don't know. I mean, because Heineke wasn't bad, right? And I don't think Wentz is that much of an upgrade from Heineke. I think Wentz will do better. I, I think Wentz is a better option. I will. He's a better I, option, but it's like they're not improving drastically. It's not like they're going from Denver, what they had to Russell Wilson. You know what I mean? It's no, like, no. I don't know. We'll see how it works out for the commanders. But, you know, McLaurin's fantasy value, look at those guys. Um, True. Certainly. I would think better right now after that trade, but the Colts did what they wanted to do. They wanted to get rid of Wentz yes. after, you know, after Jacksonville and now game. We're assuming the Colts are getting Jimmy G. I mean, there's still a lot of moving parts, but you never know. I think that is kind of the destiny, right? And if they don't, they've been linked to Jordan Love, right? I don't, I don't see understand the logistics that one at all. That one. No. Maybe 
there's they see something out of him, but and I don't even think the Packers are going to get rid of him. I would just keep him as a backup. Well, and unless they can get some value out of him, that pick is looking even dumber now that you you sign Rodgers for four more years, right? I I, I guess I was thinking the whole idea of getting love was for a time like this year, 2022, when but now 2020, and obviously we don't know if he's going to play till 2025, right? But why wouldn't he? And that's where. I think yeah. I think people are starting to scratch their heads even more than they were, and they were scratching their heads a lot after that that move of drafted love. So we'll have to wait and see though with the NFL offseason. It's really going to start heating up this week. It is, and that's the very exciting part because there's still, like I said, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of quarterbacks. We don't know what's going to happen with them, but overall, that's it for the NFL and the big news. The MLB is back, baby. Finally, baseball ended their lockout. I mean, this is like a week old news now, but. That's what happens when it takes them years and years to negotiate. We finally, finally have baseball back. 12-team playoffs is probably the biggest thing, along with Universal DH. I know the shift in the pitch clock, that got pushed back to next year. And then someone was made a comment about how in five years we're going to have to do this all over again. I really hope not, but five years is a long time from now. A lot can happen. Brewers could win three World Series in five years. You never know. But at this time, what we do know is that baseball is back. I am embarking on my Arizona trip. So I will not be on the episode next week. Episode 54 will be Jordan Lorenz less. I will not be here. I know Drew's got some, he's got some guys to fill in and we'll be hoping that's going to be a great episode. I will not be there. Instead, I will be at a spring training game on Thursday. Got the tickets. It's a seven inning game because it's a split. So the Cubs and White Sox are playing two games at two venues. I will be at Sloan Park, the Cubs and the White Sox. It's the first day of spring training. There's only four games going on. There's originally only two, and then they added this Cubs-White Sox. I don't know where, but I'll be at Sloan Park my first time ever being there. That'll be my third different spring training facility. Then Friday, I might be at the Camelback Ranch. I might return to the old Camelback Ranch. The last time I was there, the Brewers lost like 16-1 to to the White Sox, I'm pretty sure. They're playing the Dodgers, and that's a Friday game, 105 Arizona in the mountain time. We'll see. I might be at that one as well, but either way, it's going to be a fun old trip. But Drew, baseball's back. There are being some moves that have been made. Boxberger back with the crew. But overall, I mean, you can take it away at this point in time because I know there's a lot you want to talk about. There is indeed. I did mention if you're going to the games, there's some prospects. You know, I mentioned Brennan Davis of the Cubs right away. I think you should get his And I don't know. He might end up at the other game. You never know. We'll have to see. Uh, we'll see the, the split squad. We'll, we'll keep a lookout for that. But. Yeah, there's a lot I need to talk about. There's a lot you need to talk about with me as well. I mean, this is this is a loaded part here because, wow, uh, baseball's back. Initial thoughts of the deal. I mean, if we're talking pros and cons perspective, I think the pros, obviously, you know, baseball, right? Uh, the young players earn more. I'll get back to that. We'll talk more about that. Um, pitch clock, that's coming soon, Jordan. I don't know what you yes. think about that. I don't mind it. And then the scheduling, which I'll also talk about. And then also we avoided the 14 team playoff. That would be even worse than 12. I still that would have been so much worse, but I want to start with the 12 team playoff because how it will work. Let me read it to you. I will explain if you do not know I'm how it will work, but here it is. I'll explain to the audience as well. So for example, the division, we'll, we'll just take the NL, right? The division winner with the best record will be the one seat. The division record division winner with the second best record will be they will be the two seed. So we're going to start. We're going to do the NL from last year, and I'll kind of explain how it would work out. So division winner with best record would have been last year the Giants. 
And then the division winner with the second best record would have been the Brewers. So one and two is how this would have worked. And then the division winner with the worst record would have been the Braves. They, you have to play in a wild card round is how you get rewarded for winning your division. I don't like that to start. No. Yeah. And then. Is it a one game or is it three though? Or do we not know that yet? Um, it's a, that will be a three game. I believe is how okay, the, that's the what first, I thought. Because the they completely eliminated one game wild cards now. Yeah. So it will be the top two division. I'm going to say it again. Top two division winners receive wild card round buys. Number three seat is the other division winner. This spot cannot be a wild, the top wild card. And the wild card round is best of three round. Division series remains best of five. So I don't like that where we'll see then, you know, we're going to see the Braves. We're, they're going to play a division winner is going to play a wild card round. I don't think that makes sense. And then the three worst teams, they're like the three best wildcard teams then. I mean, the top three teams. And we'll then be, you know, four and five will match up against each other with the four then having, I believe, where it gets questionable is all, I believe all three games are hosted by uh, the same team. I think so they, they kind of all- cut back on travel a little bit and then they're kind of betting on that some of these won't even go the full three. I think that's how they're doing this because um, it wouldn't make sense to go first two. It, it wouldn't make sense to do one, one, and one. That's way too much travel. It wouldn't make sense to do two and one because what would you do? You wouldn't have the low seed host the first two. You wouldn't have yeah. the home seed host the first two, but then not the third. So it only makes sense that the top seed hosts them all. And what angers me, you know, MLB rejected the reseed, and Jordan Lawrence and I love the good reseed in a tournament or in any kind of. It makes so much sense. But they rejected the reseed. So let's say the six beats the three. So perspective, here we go. Um, Take top wild or so division winner with worst record. So let's say it's the Braves from last year, right? The worst. And then the worst team last year would have been the 83 and 79 Reds. 83 wins will get you into the playoffs. Insane. So let's say the Reds, they win a three game series against the Braves. They will play then. They would have played the Brewers last year then in a five game series. So an 83 win team would make it to the divisional round in, in that if they because all I have to do is win best out of three. All you gotta and, do is win two more games. Yeah. So I am not a fan of that. And then no reseeding again. I I think 12 teams would have been okay. Or I'm okay. Let me let me rephrase that. I, I am against 12 teams no matter what, but the way they did it makes it even worse, right? 12 teams, I am strictly against, I'm opposed to it, but Jordan Lawrence. Well, and you should reward the one seed. If the six seed would beat the three, you should reward the one and then make them play the six. Like that's the incentive to being the one seed and being higher. Cause you could be the two and you might be better off. You're just fine. The one seed has to play the four or five. If you're the two seed, there's a chance you could play the six seed. They messed it up is what I'm saying. Like they made a bad situation even worse in my opinion. Um, and I, I wish I, we got an explanation as to why they declined the reseeding. Cause it, there's so many more. I don't understand. It doesn't even make sense why they would have. Yeah, I don't know. I am not sure with the situation, but I, I don't know if I really understand that. Because yeah, the wild. Just to clarify again, that wild card round, which is the best three, it is hosted by the better seat, so that does mean all three. They will get okay. all three. But let's talk more now about some of the pros of this, right? I'm, I'm not going to just focus on the negatives, like how I. I'll say it again. How I don't like the 12 team playoff, but good news, Jordan. They MLB and MLBPA agreed to host games or tours in the following locations over the next five years. Did you see this? I did not, actually. We will see baseball potentially in Mexico, Asia, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, London, and Paris. What do you think? 
that's amazing. Can they hit some balls over the Eiffel Tower or something? I mean, we've seen the NFL. They start expanding this finally where they're playing them a little more international games. This is needed for baseball. I mean, hockey, they do their big arena games and stuff like that. NBA, I don't, NBA doesn't really play internationally though, do they? they they've done some intera- international games. Uh, okay, they do a but, London game. We saw the Bucks go there. Okay, but yeah, Paris. this for baseball is a little... A little late compared to other ones, but it's much needed. I mean, you have a night. I'm assuming it's going to be like a three-game series somewhere, right? Yeah, it'll be. They're not just going to have one game. No. And we, we, you know, we saw them kind of experiment more of the Field of Dreams classic, right? True. They're doing stuff. I mean, they do the Little League. They did the Field of Dreams. Like, they're finally moving a little bit, but this just adds to the excitement of game. It gets new fans and it's an entire new audience because I'm sure some people who've never watched baseball in their life would see it's on at eight o'clock in the morning because they're in London, England, and they're like, "Oh, let me check this out for a little bit." And it's got a different setting, different atmosphere. There's so many good things that come out of this. I love it. Exactly, and we'll talk about more of the notable other ones. Universal DH, we both love it, right? Have to. I don't know. It's so overdue, so um, long overdue that the NL finally gets it. This is exciting. It's good for the Brewers. Uh, Hunter Renfro is going to get more at bats. Yelich is going to get more at bats. I love it. Well, that could be a negative, but hopefully, it's not. Baseball fantasy value, you know. Fantasy baseball is going to be heating up this upcoming month. Looking forward to it. Nine inning games. They are, in fact, now double headers. Uh, Jordan, I know. I actually think. What do you think? I'm one of the only people who actually disagrees with both of these. I liked the Ghost Runner at second. I know that's a that's very a- non traditional thing. That's not happening anymore. So they got rid of that. I liked it. I don't know. It added a lot more strategy to the game, right? Because I always said that runner on second was a guaranteed run. And if you were able to stop that run from coming in, you deserve to win that game. All you got to do is get a base hit and win. You deserve it. If a team can't hit a runner in from second with no outs, they don't deserve to win. But then the other side of things, I don't like nine-inning doubleheaders. I know a lot of people do. Someone was explaining it to me. I'm going to throw this at you just to see what you thought of this. So someone made an, a point to me. They're like, well, if an, you're taking innings away from the season, which makes no sense because you would never play three quarters in a game of football. And I was like, okay, I get what you're saying. However, baseball is 162 games, not 17. So there are way more games left on the table. And then they threw the point at me about, well, it could rain, and it's not fair for a team to lose out on innings due to a rain out. And I said, well, every team should just get a roof. That's out of the question. But still, you're not going to play, stay the Super Bowl. You're not going to play three quarters, take an hour off, and play three more quarters. That's not plausible at all. In baseball, that's the only sport where you can do it. Playing back-to-back nine-inning doubleheaders, it's a lot of baseball. That's too long. I like seven innings. I think it's perfect. It makes sense for a doubleheader. And again, very non-traditionalist. I know a lot of older people, people who are used to the nine innings, they love it. I don't, I'm don't. i going to miss the seven-inning doubleheaders. My whole thing, you know, I'm not going to take a side right now with that, but MLB has emphasized they want to make pace of play an issue. I mean, they understand it's an issue. They want to make it not an issue, right? And ways to do that was, you know, the no runners on or having a runner on second for extra innings, having 17 double headers, and then they take them away and after only a it's, year. It's like, and I mean, they did in 2020, but then they can't keep every year, then take it away. I feel like, you know, they're contradicting themselves with some decisions that were made. I know the pitch clock was a big thing, but like, you know, they, they make, they talk about how pace of play is, is an issue. And yeah, I mean, for the younger audience, it, it has been an issue, right? But if they want to prevent it, I mean, they're just taking away things that, you know, we're assisting with making that less of an issue. So I don't understand necessarily that thought behind that, but I, you know, with the nine inning games as double headers, I mean, it, it was always like that, right. Other than these, you know, these two years, um, 
I, I guess I'm, I mean, I'm fine with it being like that again. Cause uh, in, you know, in the year, I mean, you're getting like an, one less at bat, maybe, you know, each, each seven, anything potentially. Um, and now there are even more double headers. So you'd be losing out of more at bats, but I, I could see that. Right. And, you know, players for their stats for like for arbitration, right. Uh, that might, you know, be something like they're losing. I don't think those extra 10 at bats a year will make that much well, of a difference, but you never know. You never know. Right. And that might be a thing. No more on second base to start extra innings now. Uh, I, I did enjoy the strategy last year. I have to admit, I can't say, you know, I agree with you. It was, it was cool. Right. I mean, it was like watching, you know, maybe are they going to punt? And um, I don't know if we just liked it cause it was fresh. It was something new, but like that might've be a little bit too, but still, and it, at the end of the day, we still saw 14 inning games. We saw longer games last year. It's not like the runner on second made every game only go 10 or 11 innings. Oh yeah, you're right. And we've saw some thrillers. I know the Brewers were involved in one with the Giants, uh, you know, a two-run homer there, a two-run homer to make it even again. You know, it, it was – it added some more offense to the game, which, in a, you know, is something that – More runs is always a good thing. More runs is good for the fans, right? And I, I – I'm indifferent, again, for this one, too. I'm not going to take a side because I don't I, – I think baseball's fine with either of those. You know, I, I could – I'll watch all – I'll watch a bunch of baseball games with it. I'll watch it without, right? I, I mean, at this point, we're waiting for baseball, and if this was a compromise that was made – I'm cool with it, but now let's get into more of the financials. I know this is this is where it gets a little a little fun here, Jordan. You ready? Draft lottery, six picks. I love it. Yeah. Long, long overdue, but that too, and then also the amateur draft being at twenty rounds. Now that's a new change. There, a player can be optioned five times per year. So now really teams have control of that. What did it used to be for the player dra- option yeah. the options? Um, I, let me look. I, 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 I saw it was five and I, I always thought it was around five for some reason. So I don't know how many more or less it was, but I was a little thrown off by this because that didn't seem like a massive change to me. Then they did something. The Jacob Nottingham rule was another time and a player could have been option a limited amount of times. It was unlimited. That's what it says. Um, players or no, generally have have three option years. Okay. And then a player qualifies for a fourth, but within each of those years, a player could be optioned a limited number of times. Okay, so they just added a little bit. Yeah, but like they only have three years. Okay, Makes and that's sense. like because it's all about service time. Yes. So and then yeah, we'll we'll take, I mean, five times per year. I, I don't, uh, it doesn't really, you know, mean a big thing in the grand scheme of things, right? You know, for these everyday major league players. But uh, to talk more about it, the CBT, which we talked about, is in between 230 million to 244 million uh, as a slight increase every year. The players, however, they got the biggest raise ever for a minimum salary 570,000 to 700,000, Jordan. And That's then it huge. goes up. 700 to 720, 720 to 740, 740 to 760, and 760 to 780. So they're getting a noticeable raise. I think that's important in a game, you know, that has increased, you know, its profit. And again, baseball, their books are not open, but the Braves books are. So you can kind of look into the profits. You can look at their financial statements and kind of see what's going on with the Atlanta Braves. So, I mean, that's kind of, you can use the base off some franchises with similar payroll and such, but Pre-arbitration bonus pool. I like this. 50, 50 million. First time ever implemented. 
basically what this is going to do, Jordan, I will explain this one. So it's it, what it does. It'll be divided among a hundred players and it'll be, which is around 20% of the top pre-arbitration performers. So basically with service time, right? You have your arbitration years at the end of your free, before you hit free agency. And then your first three years, those option years, right? Or you're Makes sense. still on that. You're making the minimum, right? I mean, that's like the Freddie Peralta, right? Before. And now these guys are starting to hit arbitration. Like this is like rookie Freddie Peralta, right? So um, it'll be divided among, you know, these top hundred players. So they're not making a minimum, a minimum, no more, which is good to see. Also, pre-arbitration MVP and Cy Young winners will earn a $2.5 million bonus, $1.75 million for second place in each, and then $1.5 million for third, $1 million for fourth in MVP, and fourth and fifth in Cy Young, then $750,000 for rookie of the year, and then $500,000 for second place rookie of the year. So these bonuses um, will be implemented. And there's also bonuses for all MLB first and second team awards. So what this does, Jordan, I know we've talked about throwaway votes, right? These aren't throwaway votes anymore. Um, the, we better see these players, or I mean, the writers make good decisions because we saw some we got terrible money. ones made in the past years. Rocio Iglesias, Cy Young Award vote. Come on, come on, people. Yeah, we, we picked that one apart. Like, we cannot see these votes being thrown away. These are going to be costing, or these are going to be costing players, you know, potentially millions, uh, potentially, you know, in the thousands, hundreds of thousands. I, I know at the end of the day, it might not make a big difference, you know, financially, but, you know, it, it's still, it goes to something now, I think. So I, I want to see that better implemented uh, for that. But I do like the pre-arbitration pool. Uh, and then we also talk about Brewer stuff, right? They did the 414 sale opening day now. I mean, the home opener, I'll say, is 414. It's Milwaukee day and American Family Field will be sold out. For sure, Boy. April seventh is the real opening day, and that Cubs, be, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Uh, Rob Manfred also said the twenty twenty three schedule. Talk about scheduling. Um, will be more balanced, so teams will play at least one series against every opponent in both leagues. I like that. I so, like that a lot. That's needed. Th- that is needed. That you know something to freshen it up. We see NBA. You're going to be playing Western Conference teams. You know, look at Bucks just went to Oakland to face the Warriors. And so that, that's good to see, right? Um, also, spring training games, you know, now we, we know more information about that. Jordan Lorenz knows. Now he'll be at some games. Finally. It's, they really pushed it back as far as they possibly could. And they also, a little bit to note, I got Cubs, Cubs tickets went on sale 2 o'clock, 2 o'clock Central Time on Sunday, so one day ago. It was 40, $47 for like a little higher up, you know, centered behind home plate. Not the end of the world, but a little pricey. I looked a bit later. They all went up five dollars, and I checked the Camelback Ranch for the Brewer game. They also went up five dollars. So I'm assuming these tickets are flying, and the MLB's raising the prices. They know what they're doing, and it's smart. But it's like if you aren't getting these right away, you're getting screwed over a little bit. Yeah, really. And now with spring training, right? Everyone wants baseball, so that's going to be something we'll see for sure. And then also the spring training, or not spring training, but the exhibition games. Uh, against Kansas City at American Family Field. Those are likely off now is what we're hearing. Brewers are going to go straight to Chicago for opening day. I want to talk about the option thing one more time because as I just want to clarify kind of how I explained it, right? MLB players are were offered three seasons with options, so that allows a team to move 
to and from the minor leagues with an limited amount of time. So it wasn't limited within those three yeah. years, Jordan. Just okay. to clarify so what that, we said. We were I guess right. that does make, yeah, that makes a little more but sense. But now there's a five-move limit. So after five demotions, a player will need to pass through waivers. So now they can be claimed oh, by other teams is how it works. That's annoying. So there's still a three options, but there's a five-move limit. So just to clarify that, um, and then everything else, you know, the, they're using wins above replacement, I wanted to add, for the top 100 players. I like that. That's so, nice. Make it mean something. That and, and we love war. I mean, at least I love war. I think that's I like it. a good thing. Talk about expanded play. There's a lot of stuff, guys. So we're, we got a lot of stuff to talk about with it. Expanded playoffs. Again, 163rd, um, the game tiebreakers, they're dead. No more. Gone. That's I did basically really like system. those, so that's kind of sad. Strength of schedule, divisional wins, run differential, all those good stuff. Uh, we talked about, you know, there will be no reseeding. Um, roster size will remain 26 players until September, and then two players will be added. Um, but, yeah, with that international draft, this is on the table still, July 25th deadline. Um, this is something, you know, David Ortiz is against. We we saw reports about. Yes, I, he was very vocal. Very vocal about it indeed. And, you know, we're going to have to weigh in that one. But now to wrap it all up. Let's talk about some Brewers bobblehead stuff with baseball, right? To end it out. Did you oh, see this, Jordan? Give me that Willie Adams claw bobblehead. Yes. I, yeah, there are some good ones they on didn't here. Picture, badly. They did not, but they have given, yeah, the bobbleheads. We'll read those to wrap up baseball unless you got anything else. Cause this was a lot. You mentioned Boxberger being recited. We don't need to talk about that. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, that's good for the, I don't really like Boxberger, but that's good for the Brewers. I guess they needed that little bit of depth. No trivia this week, season six. That'll start in two weeks. It didn't really pay to start one week and then take a week off. I would have had to go over every topic again. So, bobblehead giveaway. What a way to end our episode. Here it is. Yep. May 22nd, Willie Adamas. Awesome. June 5th, Brandon Woodruff. I want that one. June 26th, Corbin Burns bobblehead. I'm sure it's the Cy Young one. I, that one's going to be a be. hot commodity. July 10th, Freddie Peralta. July 24th, Omar Narvaez. September 11th, to be determined. So, that is how to wrap that up. But to talk about Brad Boxberger one more time, uh, tough second half. But for two and a half million, good signing, bonuses involved. It could be an extra five hundred thousand or even more, is what we've been told. So hopefully, Brewers they make more moves. Nelson Cruz was a potential guy, but I think baseball, he's going to the Braves now. I I don't see Cruz coming here. I mean, Stearns mentioned the core is kind of complete, so we'll have to wait and see. Mets are signing a lot of people. We'll talk about off season. And that'll be when it wraps up. We'll do a Brewer season preview or some sort as a special, maybe even on this Monday edition of Jordan Drew, the sports crew. But with that, Jordan, you got anything else? That's all we got. Shout yourself out. You know the drill, guys. Drew Skyberg, D-R-E-W-S-K-Y-B-E-R-G. Tomorrow, bracketology, or pardon me, Wednesday is the bracketology episode. Drew and I filling out our bracket. Obviously, we'll be previewing some of these matchups as well. And we're no experts by any stretch of the imagination. But We'll be talking about what we know, who we know, all that good sort of thing tomorrow. Tuesday, though, Drew Skyberg, Robert Schimek talking all about state basketball, the opponents for Brilliant and Ron Colley, and then their route to state championship, how they're able to get the job done. If they're able to get the job done, that'll be all talked about on that EWC episode tomorrow. And that'll be one of the final ones for the EWC basketball season. Very sad, but hopefully we got more EWC baseball, softball episodes to come. Thank you all for listening to episode 53 of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, the perfect podcast for you.